0: This program is brought to you by Pussy Magnets.
1: Oh, hey! Welcome, 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 my lovely lumps. Or should I say, lovely labs? I don't know, they're both good. I'm so thrilled to have you here in the Labia Lounge to yarn about all things sexuality, womanhood, holistic health, and everything in between. Your legs. Oh. oh, cringe. I couldn't help myself. Anyway, I am your host, Freya Graf, and I am a holistic sex coach and educator and yoni mapping therapist. So basically... I make my living massaging vaginas and teaching people about sex. Yeah, pretty cool. (laughs) So as you can imagine, we are going to have vag loads of real chats with real people about real shit. So buckle up. You're about to receive the sex ed that you'd never had and have a bloody good laugh while you're at it. Before we get stuck in though, I would like to respectfully acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which I'm recording this podcast, the Manang people. It's an absolute privilege to be living and creating dope podcast content on Noongar country, and I pay respect to their elders past, present, and emerging. Now, if y'all are ready, let's flap and do this. <laughs> Oh, is there such thing as having too many vagina jokes in the one intro? Whatever. I'm leaving it in. It's my podcast. Don't panic, you're not broken. Your sex education was a piece of shit. Get your flaps out and pull the couch. It's the labial lounge. Hey there, my lovely, luscious labial legends. Oh, that was a doozy. I didn't expect that to be quite so... I mean, elaborate alliterations, obviously, my thing, as you can tell by the name of the podcast. Um, Yeah, alliteration really gets me wet, so get used to it. Anyway, back to my lovely, luscious guest for today, Gemma Lee. Let me tell you about this awesome woman. Gemma Lee is a menstrual cycle expert, qualified Ayurvedic coach and the creator of Wellsom. For 13 years, she's helped guide women in over 22 countries, damn, show off, um, to embrace their menstrual, no, their monthly cycles, also their menstrual menstruals, fuck this is a shit show, anyway, and deepen body awareness through personalised coaching, online courses, retreats and workshops. She's known as the down-to-earth, raw and authentic teacher who makes periods fun. Her teachings are analogy Field helping to make the complicated stuff practical, easy, and memorable. Located in Australia, like me, Gemma's a daytime mermaid, a full time human who spends her days coaching, dancing, and creating. And might I add, Gemma has an epic podcast, which I was just telling her before we jumped on the recording that I'm a massive fan of and I send to lots of friends pretty regularly because it's just so valuable and down to earth and practical, basically, like I just said. So I would highly recommend checking out her podcast as well, and I'll pop that in the show notes. But welcome
0: into the lounge, Gemma. Pull up a cushion. Thank you so much for having me. I just had to put myself on mute because I was laughing so hard at your intro. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you. All those L's are definitely a tongue pushed up. But thanks for having me.
1: <laughs> Pleasure. Yeah, I'm still kind of new at this podcasting thing, and I'm kind of embracing the uh, the informal rawness of it all. I feel like hopefully people are like, "Oh, that's pretty relatable," rather than like, "Wow, this bitch is unprofessional." <laughs> <laughs> So today we're going to cover, yeah, thank you. Great, great, great. I think I'm feeling pretty like loosey-goosey because we had such a great yarn before we pressed record. So I'm pretty comfortable. She's limber and ready. <laughs> <laughs> um, so today we're going to cover the basics of cycle tracking, why you do it, how you can benefit, how to use your cycle as a secret superpower, how to live in tune with your body and how this will impact your life and how to cultivate better body confidence and body literacy through being allies with your cycle using some simple tools and principles that we're going to give you. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, it's gonna be a juicy one. I'm really excited because I find this all just such valuable information that I don't think we really get taught or, you know, it's not talked about that much. And I think uh, I used to be pretty inclined to resent my period and find it really inconvenient at the least and just a disaster. Um, <laughs> at, no wait, at the, at the, anyway. So <laughs> we know what you mean, yeah, yeah, you get it. God, I'm ovulating right now too. I should be at the top of my game. I feel like I'm just a hot mess, but
0: now nah, you're um. all too horny and your li- your libido's <laughs> too high to focus on that shit. <laughs>
1: Uh, so yeah, speaking of the sort of different characteristics of, um, you know, the the seasons or the phases of our cycle, I'd love to dive into a bit of that. I've actually done an episode recently on exercising and moving your body for your cycle and how to use natural fertility mm-hmm. and SS contraception. So I did an interview with Dr. Madeline Turner and she walked us through the cycle stages. Um, so I'd recommend going back and listening to that epi as well. But I would love, Gemma, if you could give us a little run down about the different seasons as I like to call them of the menstrual cycle and like you know their different characteristics maybe a bit about the different expectations that we can have of ourselves and our own needs and energy and moods and stuff according to which season of our cycle we're in
0: good questions So, um, yeah. Hi, everyone. (laughs) Um, When it comes to the seasons of the cycle, this is completely my jam. So if you've never heard of me before and you're listening, you're like, who is this chick? You know, I was the tomboy who grew up not wanting to really be a woman and then I became a woman and then I didn't want to wear skirts or dresses at the, the private school I went to. And, you know, I rejected a lot of my feminine. And when I started to explore coming off the contraceptive pill and got PCOS, I really didn't know what my body was doing or what was going on. And I felt like I had an alien inside my body. I was like, get this thing out of me. And so when I discovered the seasons of the cycle, it actually took me back to when I studied ancestral health. So ancestral health is how our you know, ancestors treat, heal, cure, and diagnose diseasement in the body. Very different to allopathic and Western medicine practices today. And one of my teachers was very much about you know women going through phases and four phases, and how they kind of linked with the seasons, and how you would eat differently in each phase and phase of the season, similar to how you would in the outer seasons. And so this is where I initially learned about the seasons. So I know everyone learns about the seasons in different ways, but this this was my initial teaching of it. Mm. Now there's lots of different people who talk about it in books, and I guess they've all learned from their own teachers. But with the seasons, they link in with the Western seasons. So if you've listened to that previous episode that you mentioned, Freya, about... You know, the allopathic way, so you've got menstruation, follicular, ovulation, and luteal, the four phases. Those four phases can be linked with what we call the four outer seasons. Now, it gets a little bit technical because there is actually five outer seasons. The fifth most people are not even aware of, but we just like to focus on the four when I'm teaching inside, Cyclical School and the Well Academy that I run, I I open up into the fifth season. But to keep it really simple, we just go with the four. (laughs) Is that cool with you? Totally, totally. Oh, the kiss theory. Keep it simple, stupid. Always (laughs) works. So with um, the four seasons, the first one is menstruation. And that's actually probably going to be me today. I'm actually sitting here on day 28 of my cycle. I am checking in, feeling quite menstrual actually i'm definitely in my year and it's also the new moon day today we're recording on the new moon and i can feel my energy dropping downwards and my my womb space becoming quite heavy and that's where the basis of my root chakra is so i can definitely feel that downward pull in you know energy force through the shishwana nadi which is the central energy lines and channels in your body so menstruation western medicine might call it that but in the seasons we call this inner winter. So after in the winter comes in a spring, which is our follicular phase after in a spring comes in a summer, which is our ovulation phase. And after in a summer comes in you know, autumn, our luteal phase. So do you want me to guide you through like all of those characteristics of each season as one season on its own?
1: Yeah, I think that'd be a good way to go about it.
0: Okay, cool. Let's do that. So winter, we'll kick it off because that's what where- where we all begin that's where we start cycle tracking at the very beginning of our menstrual bleed so this winter time characteristically with the season it's very much i call it the bear season it's where you're the bear in your cave Um, some people might have heard of the red tent or the red cave i like to just refer because i teach a lot of kids too this is the bear where you are just hibernating in your cave and you are more internal than you are external So this means that what would we normally do in winter? What would a bear do when the bear would be in winter? And that's provide warmth. That's build a fire. That's eat and consume warm foods. That's move your body in a nice, slow, restorative pace to conserve energy. That's where we feel quite reflective in the darkness of the cave, which is, you know, our deepest part of our yin phase of energy we are very reflective. So um, traditionally, they would say this is when you are the most connected with your intuition. This is when your intuition energy is actually a lot more illuminated. So listen to your guidances, listen to what's coming up for you and really be guided by your body at this particular time. So something that's really interesting that a lot of people miss with the inner winter phase around guidance and intuition is that Anytime you're making a really big life decision as a menstruator, it's always good to reflect on this during your winter time. So when I was writing the program and it's now the membership, my group coaching membership program called the Well Women Academy, I actually took about four menstrual cycles to write that program. And it started off as a six-week program, so it's quite simple to write, but I kept just waiting until my menstrual time came and I was sitting in my inner winter to actually really trust my guidance of my intuition mm. rather than the masculine outwardness of me, my ex- extravagant side being like, it's going to do this. It's going to have this. I was like, well, you're going to make it too over the top. Mm. And I wanted my intuitive guidance to really nurture that. And so that's one thing we can do. One of many things we can do during that inner winter time. So our inner winter time, then progresses through to our inner spring. And our inner spring is our follicular phase. This is when menstruation has changed and ceased. And what you'll generally find is everyone transitions into this second season with like, oh, my God, I feel like I'm back in my body and like I want to go outside today and I feel like I want to move. And I'm going to eat something different for a change. And so this change that we feel is that transition into inner spring, that transition is the beginning of our yang phase of our cycle. And this spring-like feeling is very, I call this the dolphin phase. This is where you're like the person in the water, you're playful, you're creative, you want to have fun, you want to be around people in your own little pod. (laughs) Um, And so I love using the dolphin as an analogy in your springtime because spring, think about it in the outer seasons as the weather changes around you seasonally in the year is that when you go from winter to spring, you're like, oh, my God, I can finally get out of these jumpers and I can actually put a T-shirt on. And you're like, thank goodness, I'm so pale and I feel dry and I want to put my skin in the sun. And that's the same feeling that we have in this little phase of transition between winter and spring. And I always give analogies when I teach and educate because they make it so much more memorable and you're you're much more likely to remember it. But everyone recognises that feeling. And so that feeling of wanting to be outside and seeing, you're like, yep, I'm going to actually like let my hair out today and, you know, I might even have a shower like before I get into the day today instead of waiting till like 4 p.m. And so this is that spring-like energy. Naturally, in this time of our cycle, we're super creative, like I was saying. So it's a really good time if you... You know, I have a hobby or you are creative in your work in any way or you're creative at home um, or you're like making new recipes um, or painting or whatever it is. This is a good time to actually begin new projects and start being creative and cultivating those ideas. Um, Also, really good time to try something new. And this is all because of the change in our hormones. So as our estrogen rises and our FSH kicks in, you know that helps build us with confidence and feeling, you know, extravagant and wanting to be mm. playful and you know wanting to try new things. So that's our spring phase. Our summer is people call it the peak of your of your cycle and the, the peak season. It is the peak of your season, but it's not in the middle. So a lot of people say, well, it's going to take me two hours to hike to the top, so therefore it's going to take me two hours to come back. But the peak. The summer in your menstrual cycle is not always in the middle. Um, but this particular phase of your cycle is between three to four days in length, so it's the shortest phase of all of them. And this depends a lot on your fertile cycle, your fertile phase. You would know about this, right, about you know, cervical mucus and blah, 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 all that mm-hmm. stuff. But with the seasons, your summertime is when you have been out playing around and you're like, oh, my God, I am, like, so sexy right now. You catch yourself, like in the glass reflection as you're walking by the shops and you're like, girl, oh, have you seen what I look like today? Yeah. So that's that summer feeling. And that feeling is really about feeling voluptuous. And that doesn't mean in your body size, that means in your energy. So that's when you're like, feel sexy, you feel a little bit sassy. I call this the Beyonce phase. Mm. I also like to call this yeah, there's a there's a film clip from her. I think it's her Lemonade album, where she's in a yellow dress and she's walking out of this massive mansion down the like this huge flight of stairs, and all of a sudden, as she opens the door, all this water gushes out <laughs> through the door. I have to make a meme on this. I definitely have to make a meme on this for my Instagram. But like, she walks out this door, and it's like, "Hello, boys!" Ovulations arrived, and that's every time I see or think of that clip in that film clip. I'm just like that is in a summer to a team. Plus, she's wearing a yellow dress, and that helps with the visuals. But totally. um, I like to call this like the lioness or the lion season because you're ready to pounce. You're very in charge. You're very outward, but you're also very slow and sensual as well. So there's lots of different facets that come into this ovulation season, and because we're not talking about like the Western allopathic way. I'm not talking about conception and conceiving and the fact that you're ovulating and how that all works. But energetically, when we look at the aspects of summer, summer is really about putting yourself out there. It's about being with your community. It's about being seen. It's about having outward energy as opposed to menstruation, which is inward energy. So that's a really good time where you might help friends who have little kids and you're like, I've got more energy at this time of my cycle, so I'm going to put myself out there. Or it might be a time when you launch a product in your business or you pitch yourself to your boss or, yeah, there's lots of examples, but that's inner summer for you. Then inner summer, what comes after inner summer is inner autumn. And inner autumn is, for some people, the lo- um, the, the longest phase of your cycle and then for others it's not the longest phase. So this all comes back to knowing your cyclical nature and obviously learning about your own natural fertility if you are following natural contraceptive processes and you know methods so this autumn phase generally is between 10 and 14 days long Um, for a healthy cycle that's correct it would be you know 10 11 to 12 like my god I can't talk between 10 and 11 you you gave me the I can't talk thing I'm kidding I'm kidding. I'm joking. I'm joking. It's not your fault. Um, but it's anywhere from 10, 11, 12, 13 to 14 days. So anywhere between that timeframe is the length that your autumn phase will be. But this is also known as the premenstrual phase. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I always think of like the shark, like, uh-huh. you know, as we move through in the winter, I mean, in autumn. And it doesn't have to be like that. I actually love inner autumn. I just spent uh, six days sleeping in my van, traveling with my partner in my inner autumn. And most people are like, oh, no, I can't do that. Like that would just be a nightmare. I'd be too snappy. I'd be too irritated. I'll be a bitch. But it's not the point. Like inner autumn is so beautiful when you understand the ethics of inner autumn. So autumn is a harvest season. If you look at traditional like Chinese medicine, autumn is all about... Harvesting and gathering and preparation. And that's the same thing we can do in this season as we prepare for our next menstrual bleed. So, this is the get shit done phase of your cycle. Um, this particular time is good to finish little jobs and tasks off. And everyone would have done this at some stage in their life when you're like, you know what? Um, especially with COVID, I'm just working at home. I'm just going to go make some lunch and then you open, you know, the cutlery drawer to pull out a fork so you can eat your salad. And then you're like, oh, that's a bit dirty under those forks. Two hours later, the whole fucking kitchen is cleaned and redecorated and you've done no work (laughs) or eaten lunch. And that's that's the inner autumn feeling where you are so present but you're also, I know I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do this and then I'm going to do this. and I've got to get this thing finished and I've got to do that. And it's also a bit of a similar feeling that comes about for women who are pregnant in their final season before they transition into the season of labour and birthing where they're like nesting and getting things done and organise everything so they can completely relax Mm. when birthing time arrives. And so for us, our inner autumn cyclically is one, a preparation for the experience of pregnancy and birth and preparing for that. But it's also an experience of preparing ourselves to menstruate so that we can allow extra time for honouring menstruation. So even if you're a mom and you've got little kids, honouring yourself by blocking out 15 minutes in your menstrual time means that you could do the stuff that you would have to do that 15 minutes a couple of days earlier. So you have the 15 minutes spare. But inner autumn is also, when we look at food, it's a time when everyone's like, oh my God, I just like this witch comes through me and she just eats everything in the pantry. And like, I have no control over it. I have no idea where she comes from. She just turns up unannounced and just like, poof, everything's gone. (laughs) And that is... The like another emotional energetic side of us during our in autumn phase, and there's lots of different reasons why a lot of women experience that, but it's not normal, it's common. So, knowing how you feel and being present and connected with yourself at every stage of your cycle in all the four phases is really beneficial at helping you, you know, bring your body back into balance and harmony and living in a satvic state, which is ultimately everybody's goal. Mm. Yeah. Seasonal rant over.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You did an amazing job of that. Really. Yeah. Like I'm so fascinated by this stuff. And I, you know, like when you're talking about, um, that sort of feathering the nest and preparing to either go into the menstrual cave or preparing to, you know, become pregnant, you get this urge to just like clean and get you done and kind of tick all the boxes and get your ducks in a row. Like I, I remember learning about that and being like, Oh, surely not when I'm premenstrual. I just like, can't be fucked doing anything you know I'm irritable and this and that and then you know I started tracking my cycle I started getting more and more into this and I did start noticing I was so surprised that I was noticing I would just get these weird urges to clean and I'd start doing one little task and then it would turn into like a whole big clean I'm like oh I'm in the zone may as well just do it while I'm at it and then I'd be like whoa Mm -hmm. that's actually that's a thing. I can't believe that. It is. No, it like I've read about this happening and this is actually happening. <laughs> um, but it is interesting. It does happen. Yeah, yeah. Which is so helpful because I cannot be, I can't be fucked cleaning most of the time. So when I do get a hit to just like go nuts, it's very useful because then, you know, then it's done and it's actually really satisfying. Um, it is. So and it's a good way
0: of channeling energy too.
1: Yeah. Mm,
0: it's a really good way of channeling energy and you're present. So you just pop on some music. It's the same as if a guy, and this is a bit stereotypical like stereotyping, but if a male was I'm really frustrated about something that's going on at work and I've had a bad argument with my boss and it's like they just go boxing with their best mate and just channel the energy and release it. Mm. Whereas, you know, some I like doing that sometimes too. But you know, for me, I'm just like it helps release, like even me doing the same thing but spring cleaning in the garden you know I could spend five hours just like ripping freaking weeds out and I was just like oh gonna kill all these caterpillars sorry Buddha and then (laughs) I do all this other stuff and all of a sudden I've not listened to anything I've just been outside in nature I've been channeling the energy and then I feel like oh I feel so clear now (laughs) totally it's very
1: therapeutic it's like a moving meditation um and it's yeah it's like this epic feeling once everything's kind of done and you've just been really, really productive because then you can just sort of sit back in your beautiful clean space with all of your ducks in a row and bleed, you know? And um but the the thing is like I was I was gonna mention that sometimes this isn't exactly how it goes and I actually feel like You know, maybe if I haven't um, nourished myself enough or done enough self-care or sort of um, lived in a way that's kind of taking into account my cycles and my needs, my cycle and my phases and my needs in the different phases, then I will rock up at, you know, the spring and summer seasons and just be wrecked still and get like maybe one day of like, yay, I'm ovulating fucking Beyonce out and then I'm straight back into fucking premenstrual, you know, and and I'm, I'd love to chat about that um, a little bit, but also, yeah, the benefits of knowing about your seasons and how to work with them and live in alignment with them and, like, how that then can, can have, like, this ripple effect on your life and you can just be, like, a way more effective and, I guess, balanced, content human. Like, what, you know, can we chat about some of the benefits of, like, living in tune with these seasons um, in regards to like feeling an increased connection to our bodies and then being able to manage our energy levels better and then, you know, even stuff like, you know, can it help with PMS symptoms, for instance,
0: and things like that. Like I know Uh you've got a lot to say on this. (laughs) (laughs) Where do I start? I. um, This is such a good question. I call it cyclical living this is why I created Sick Little School, you know, the menstrual cycle coaching course, teaching people how to become certified menstrual cycle coaching or coaches is because we have always lived in a cyclical way. And through my Ayurvedic studies and ancestral studies and womb wisdom studies and shamanic womb wisdom stuff is that the more and more I connect with the Eastern approach and the ancestral approach of health, the more I see how displaced we are from the earth. Now, that might have made you a little bit confused. But all that means is that it comes back to um, what a, one of the Ayurvedic philosophies is, is that you are not on nature. You are of nature. Mm. So when you think that you are of nature, this is you are part of the earth. You are part of the trees. You're part of the air. You're part of the water. You're part of the fire. You're part of everything, all of the elements. And we often in the Western world particularly are not connected with any of these things. You know, we don't rise and set with the cyclical nature of the sun and the moon. We don't connect with the cyclical nature of the seasons of the year. We don't connect with um, actually just on that with the seasons of the year. A great way to expand on that is that, you know, who still drinks smoothies in winter? A lot of people. Mm. And that's not a winter food. So that's actually not living cyclically. You know, who drinks soup in summer? Hardly anybody unless you're really sick. And that's because that's not cyclical. So we, and I used to teach, um, they were called the ancestral seasonal classes for each of the outer seasons. And this is before I got into menstrual work. So it was actually just a really nice transition because the ways that we live in the outer world, if we applied it all very easily at each of our five seasons in the outer world, when we apply them to our inner world, everything will change. And so a lot of people say, oh, my bloke, but I can't relax and I can't stop and I can't change my work schedule. And I'm like, okay, well, let's just keep tracking our cycles, how we're going and let's just see what happens in a month's time. And what happens is they're in the same position. They're still frustrated, like you were saying, pushing yourselves. Having one day, we're like, "Oh my god, I feel amazing! I'm so sexy!" And then all of a sudden, you're like, "Back to like fuck my life." (laughs) Um, Excuse my language. I'm really like letting like the words just fly today, aren't I? Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's meant to be then, Um, but you know, it really is important to just recognize that women are cyclical. Now, I say women, but I refer to everybody born with a womb. Now, the interesting thing is that we all come from a womb, whether you are born with male parts or whether you are born with female parts, we all exist and come from a womb. And you'll probably agree with this, Freya, that we all have a womb, regardless of your gender or how you identify. And that can be an energetic womb or it can be a physical womb. So for menstruators, our cyclical nature is so much more physically embedded in our bodies. And so when we actually connect with our menstrual cycle, we can start to see the ebbs and flows and changes when we allow ourselves to ebb and flow and change. Now, even if you look at Ayurveda, which is like the mother of yoga, the, like which was birthed before Chinese medicine, which could just be referred to as in traditional Indian medicine, but it refers to life science. And they teach really well that everything changes and nothing is static or the same. And whenever you apply staticness or sameness to anything, things become unbalanced. So let's look at what happens in staticness and sameness in the world that we live in today. Most people have a nine to five job. And I say most, that's changing a lot since the pandemic. But in general, most of the population has some kind of, you know, static job And what that static job means is they work the same set of hours a week and then they generally work the same set of days or the same set of hours of the day. And so that creates staticness. Now, you can still have that staticness and be cyclical, but it's important to be aware of the staticness in your life. So if you do that and then you apply, you know what, I'm going to eat the same thing for lunch every day. And I'm also going to eat the same thing for dinner. I might change it up a little bit, but mostly the same thing every night for dinner. Breakfast, always the same. What happens is you're actually moving your body in the masculine cyclical way as opposed to the feminine cyclical way. And it's important to recognize this is that born masculines, the males, because we all have masculine and feminine, you know, polarity energy within us, mm. but male part, so I look at my partner B, man, man with a penis, <laughs> okay. he is he has a cyclical nature too, but his cycle runs 24 hours, whereas my cycle runs Anywhere from four to four and a half, sometimes even five weeks long. So when we look at that nature, it's going to be different. And so, whilst men, and I'm just going to use those like core words, man and woman, but for those men, those non menstruators who don't have menstrual parts, Naturally, they just live in the same kind of thing every freaking day. They eat the same food every day. They just work out what gym they want to go to. They're like, oh, I like this gym. I'm just going to keep going to this gym. Five years later, still at the same gym. They generally do the same kind of thing all the time. And that's because that's how their cyclical world works. There's nothing wrong with that. But today, diets are created by man, by man um, and by born penises, really by men who have penises, <laughs> um, but so diet culture comes from mostly males, movement culture, Pilates, yoga, you know, most sports are all born with male, like born as male sports. One of the only sports that I know of, and I'd love to learn of some more if anyone wants to like call up the hotline and let us know right now, <laughs> is that <laughs> 13, 22, 1, 8. I, know, I just made that up, but um is synchronised swimming. That was a female sport to like provide, you know, it was a a born female sport and it wasn't even called a sport. It was an entertainment to provide entertainment to people, you know, watching or viewing. And that is pretty much a woman-only sport. But most, and even netball, it was seen as a woman's sport, but most sports are uh, designed for men and women now do them. Mm. so look at skateboarding look at bmx look at basketball look at football look at cricket mm. and so what happens is that really in the western world we buy into the masculine culture because we live in the patriarchy world which is masculine we no longer have a matriarchal world we're shifting towards it but we no longer live in that kind of style of essence anymore And so what happens is when women start to discover their menstrual cycles to bring it back to the cycle is that they're like, but I can't change that because I've been doing it all the time and I feel good doing that and that's what everyone else does and they have a good body and they look hot and lean and thin and toned. So I want to look like that too. So I'm going to apply that because it worked for that person. But the challenge is, is that we are not the same and we need to understand our cyclical essence Because even if I look at myself and my best friend, Amber, or my other best friend, Jess, the three of us are all very, very different. So what works for Jess in her journey of preconception to prepare her body to have a healthy ovulation is going to be very, very different to what I do. And to throw a few little cherries on the top of this cake, I haven't even talked about the spiritual or the energetic essences of these, you know, theories around cyclical living because we just need to, understand the foundation of how we live our life needs to be cyclical and we need to allow the process of flow, surrender and allowing. So what that means is that if you get to in a autumn, and here's a great example for me, it's day 28 for me. Two days ago, I was driving home from being on our van trip and I got home my partner and I, we ate the same dinner. Normally I ate a little bit less in quantity than him. We ate the same sized meal. And I, afterwards I was like, I am so freaking hungry. I'm like, I need to eat. So I ate like a whole punnet of raspberries. And then I was like, still hungry. I had yogurt with blueberries. And I was like, baby, you hungry? He's like, no, I was like, geez, my inner autumn is really getting me good. And so, so I know that I, this is my theory, right? This isn't science. This is my theory that we welcome in additional, you know, nourishment and food and eating before we begin bleeding so that when we get, when we do begin menstruation, we can surrender to menstruation and we have a store of energy through our macronutrient content that we previously consumed. But what happens is that we're like, oh, it's breakfast time, but better eat breakfast whether you're hungry or not. Mm. Oh, it's dinner time, better eat dinner. And so we live in this cyclical, you know, nature of like breakfast, lunch and dinner. But traditionally we didn't do that. We ate when we had food and we ate when we were hungry. And this is how we can be be more of nature rather than just on nature is that don't forget your body is an animal and that animals eat when they're hungry in the wild, not when or like not when the sun is going down at a certain time. Mm, totally. Anyway, rant over because I could mm-hmm. just keep let's keep riffing. <laughs> oh, There's exactly some ways like that me. cyclical living, yeah, cyclical living is super important because ultimately, to sum everything up about why I would encourage all menstruators to live in a cyclical way is that it helps bring your body back into harmony and balance and anything that is a disruption to that. So a cycle sign, a discomfort, that's all because there's an imbalance in your body. And so the way of living is we are constantly juggling the balance of health. Mm. So there is no end goal because most people are like, I need to get to this goal of health. There is no end goal. The, the goal is consistent. The goal is I am here to create balance and harmony So how does my body need balance today? Then how does my body need balance today? So as you move through every day, you're asking the same question, but the answers will be slightly different.
1: Hmm. Yeah, exactly. I think we can get very, uh, regimented and, and really sort of fall back on this structure of like, I eat this every morning for breakfast and I eat at this time and work starts at this time. So I have to eat before then. And then I have a lunch break at this time. So I've got to eat then. And, you know, like sometimes that can't be helped, but it does sort of, um, Make it trickier to actually listen to your body and when you need to eat and how much and what kinds of food. And that's been a sort of practice that I've been bringing in more is like actually, you know, feeling into what I, what I feel like my body needs to be eating, what I'm craving. And, and it's tricky to differentiate between like, you know, cravings that it's just your like shitty gut bacteria being like, I want sugar. Um, and actually like, you know, Oh, I need more carbs right now because it's the evening and I'm going to have a better sleep with more carbs and I'm about to bleed. So blah, blah, blah. Um, but it is, it is like tricky, especially if you're, you know, like I live with my partner who's a male and it is interesting because I notice like he wants to eat different foods at different times. And in the beginning, I was like, just, oh, you know, it's more convenient and it's easier if we just cook cook brekkie at the same time and I eat the same thing and blah, blah, blah. And a lot of the time we do do that because he makes like amazing breakfasts and I'm not going to pass that up. But he often wants to eat earlier than I want to eat. And so... I have started to just go, Oh, maybe just save me a plate or like, don't worry, I'll fix myself something once my metabolism kicks in and I actually am hungry. Um, Mm -hmm. and then, yeah, rather than trying to keep up with him and how much he's eating and when he's eating, you know, we have totally different energy requirements. And yeah, he's on that 24 hour cycle. So I'm just having to be like, No, actually, like just because everyone else is doing this thing or just because he's doing that thing doesn't mean that that's right for me. I'm going to actually tune in with my body and try to, you know, get better at um, listening to that. And same with like socializing and, and like energetically, how much, you know, I have to give in a social setting, whether I need to just like go, like we take two cars to a lot of things now, because I pretty much never have as much social energy and like staying power as he does. So rather than that being mm-hmm. like, Oh, I want to go home and uh, I'm just like, fuck it. and take my own car. And then I can just leave when I need to leave. And I need to go and hibernate and be a little hermit. Again. I love that. And you can just be as out there and extroverted and social and, you know, you can drink alcohol, whatever. I'm just, you know, I don't really drink alcohol almost ever. Um, And I don't want to have to, to keep up with, you know, I think in the past, I've tried to keep up with him or with other people um, and the amount of energy they have, or maybe they're just more extroverted naturally. Maybe they're ovulating and they're really extroverted and I'm, you know, premenstrual and I'm just like, I have nothing to give this this situation. I need to just go home and read a book. So I yeah, it's it's been a real practice for me um, of like learning how to navigate my fluctuations um and my differing needs. And then also like self-acceptance and not beating myself up when I'm not feeling totally social or if I don't have a lot to give other people and I do need to go inwards and you know rather than seeing it as like selfish, seeing it as like self-care.
0: Yeah, it's so true. And I love what you mentioned about your partner and taking two cars to an event and the whole breakfast situation because a lot of people feel, and I hope you don't take this the wrong way in, in any way, <laughs> but um, a lot of people, you know, feel victim. They're like, oh, I have to eat breakfast at the same time or I have to say yes to this, so I can't. And it's not the case and it is possible to be in a heterosexual relationship with someone who's on a different cycle to you even if you're um on in a same-sex relationship as a menstruator so um for example lesbians you know you are both cyclical but your cycles might not match up so that's It's the same as being in a heterosexual relationship. Mm. So it's really important um, to work as a team. And I feel that anyone that partners with you, I would encourage them. One, you need to teach them about cyclical living. Um, The way to do that is you need to know how to do cyclical living yourself and apply it and know about it and know what serves you and what doesn't serve you so that then you can work as a team with it. But I work as a team. Um, My partner B knows what meals are great during each phase of my cycle. He's even said when we went away in the van, knowing that it was going to be in autumn, he's like, oh, babe, it's going to be your autumn time. So you're probably going to want these meals. How about we make this, this and this for dinner? And, you know, but that's because he's aware of it and he knows Mm -hmm. and he's seen that I work so much better in life, just daily life, not my job when I'm honoring myself cyclically and I'm connected cyclically. And so, You know, he last night went to the shops because he had to pick something up and he brought back a block of chocolate and I made a hot chocolate out of organic dark chocolate. Mm. And that's because I'm like, that's something that I love to do pre-autumn. It's also like 30 degrees and 100% humidity where I live. So it's not (laughs) the time for hot drinks, but my body wants the nurturing love of a hot, warm drink. So Mm. um, it's all about applying things and don't buy into the nature that like, oh, it's just hard for men. They just don't understand. They actually can understand and they really want to learn when you give them the opportunity and they want to help work as a team on it. And so this is why in the Well Women Academy, the membership program that I run, I teach classes with my partner, B about how to introduce conversations to men and how to bridge the gap and how to work together as a team and All of that stuff Mm -hmm. is actually foundational because if you can do that as a partnership and you're a heterosexual couple as parents, you'll be able to pass that on to your children and that's where we completely change the current experience of menarche, our first menstrual period experience Mm -hmm. and the way that males currently, you know, think about periods and menstrual cycles versus what they can do in supporting
1: yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's so important and they are eager to learn and they want to, you know, they want to help. Like I have a few ways that I do this. I mean, I talk about it all the time because it's my jam, but I also have like, you know, I've created my own um, cycle tracking calendar chart that you can actually download. Um, I'll pop a link. It's just a free PDF that you can print out and I whack it on the fridge. So he always knows where I'm at in my cycle. And then yeah, there's also like, I mean, there's some apps that do that as well that send your partner. You can, you can link up your partner's email and it'll send them a little bit of info at each season. Um, but yeah, I just, I feel like including them in the process and, and sort of having conversations about it, like we're so on the hot cho-cho train. Um, he makes a good, a good hot chocolate. Yeah, it's so fucking valuable. And then they can also like, um, like it, yeah. They feel involved. They feel included. They feel rather than being like, oh my god, fuck, like the cycle. She's she's crazy at this time, or da da da. You know, they know what to expect. You can have an open dialogue around it. Um, and there was something else I was gonna say around maybe it was the oh yeah the food thing like so I'm also developing a poster which will have the different seasons of your cycle and the sorts of foods that are really amazing to eat so that it's just this like visual beautiful poster on the wall and your partner can like reference it you can reference it and then try to incorporate some of those foods into the meals that you make at each stage. So that's in the works at the moment. I've actually got a really amazing artist on board. Great idea. Yeah. because um, Yeah, imagine it's a if great idea. Like up in the home and say you've got a family and your kids and there's this poster and it's just this kind of thing that's around and so the entire culture around the menstrual cycle and, you know, womanhood is just so much more reverent and I guess like present in the home, you know, so it's not just this secret thing it is a woman has to deal with on her own. It's like right there. Everyone can be part of it. Yeah. I just think that that's like the way that the way we've got to go with it.
0: It really is. I actually have a guide like that inside, um, and like for the Well Women Academy, um, mm. that is specifically for men, um to use and they can print that out and put it on the fridge. And yeah, that's what I've um I yeah, I think I created that back in 2017, 2018, and it works a treat. It really is so supportive for, for everybody who, you know, who does incorporate that and it really helps bridge that gap and create a cyclical way of living in a household as a family. And that doesn't mean you need to be married. It's just creating a unit, a family unit and It's really, really beautiful and it does work. So um, I think that for everyone listening, if you're like, oh, I wish my partner was like that, Mm -hmm. um, regardless of their gender or how they identify, is that give them the opportunity. Yeah. yeah, like they only know what they were taught and they were taught nothing about it. So give them the opportunity is what I would yeah. say. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, they might surprise you as well, you know, if they've got those resources totally. like posters and and charts like that. Um, so I'd love to like sort of just canvas the benefits uh, regarding like pms because i've noticed that the more i live in tune with my cycle and the more i manage my energy um, and kind of yeah honor where i'm at and my needs and yeah i just i have the best time with my period like i do not get cramps i don't get symptoms almost ever and when i do i know like i've noticed now through charting and being aware of this It's because I've pushed myself too hard in that um, autumn phase or I've like, you know, I've pushed too hard on the last cycle coming out of my menstrual phase and like wanted to run before I could walk Mm -hmm. kind of thing and like leap into spring and summer when I really should have just like chilled the fuck out for another few days. Um, And then I I notice that my PMS will flare up. So what's your experience Mm -hmm. around, you know, how living in tune with your cycle can help with PMS symptoms?
0: So I like to call PMS um, cycle signs because they're all just messages to your body and mm. they don't technically just occur before pre before premenstrual. So they're not just before you menstruate. They can occur at any time of your cycle. Cool. And these are all signs that your body is like knocking on your front door being like, Gemma, this is going on. Can you please help us? And when we don't address it, then it manifests. And then all of a sudden the knocks on your front door become thuds, and then eventually they just like, it's like, the SWAT team like bursting the front door open yeah. to be like, I'm here, deal with me. So, with um with cycle signs, the more you connect with your nature of cyclical living, and the more you actually embrace your cycle, you would be so surprised at the rebalancing of your cycle signs. It helps you identify lots of stuff. So. One, if you're cycle tracking, um, I love that you've got a tracker. I also, I think everyone who works with the menstrual cycle has some kind of tracker. Um, But with your tracker, always use a written one over an app, always. Apps are great and they're a good foundation. um, But written, there's something about pen to paper that's really kinesthetic. So you really want to just be using a written tracker. But start writing down exactly how you feel and stop judging how you feel in your cycle signs for being like, oh, it's another PMS thing. Actually embrace it. I think it starts there, um, embracing, oh, wow, I'm feeling quite bloated today or I'm feeling a little bit like this or, you know, this has popped up for me or interesting, I've had a headache for the last three days. Like these are all things you want to make note of and explore and see if they're repetitive or if they're just one-time things. Like are these happening all the time or are they just happening here and there? And learn from your body. The more you allow yourself to live in tune with each of the phases, the more balance you'll create. So the more you allow yourself to just drop into some rest whilst you're menstruating, the more you will have a healthier ovulation. And Mm. it does not mean you need to sit in bed for three days, just drinking your nice ceremonial great cacao and reading the women who run with who, the women who run with wolves—it doesn't have to be that, you know. Resting is just, you know, redu- like removing the pressure. Hey, babe, can you cook dinner tonight? And now, I've been single a lot of like my menstrual life, so sometimes that's me like batch cooking in my summer and my autumn, so that when my winter comes, I don't have to cook. Yeah. Like you are your, be- your own best friend. Like do it yourself too, um, but yeah, reaching out and asking for help and support instead of having to do everything and put yourself out so much, that's a great way you can rest. So I like to say that there's two ways we can look at how things impact us. So what you did two weeks ago energetically and cyclically can directly impact how you feel in your cycle today. And what you've done in the entire last 100 days, which is three months, you could say 90 days, 90 to 100 days, is going to impact your overall menstrual cycle health today. So that doesn't just impact for me, day 28, which is my day today. Um, it impacts my entire cycle. So it impacts my ovulation health. It impacts my ability to track natural fertility. It impacts my ability to menstruate. Am I going to spot? What's my period color, color going to be like? Is it going to be clotty? Is it not going to be clotty? Is it going to be painful? Am I going to be bloated? Am I going to get cyclical acne? Am I going to have headaches? Am I going to have migraines? So everything we do in our life impacts our cycle. And so if you're looking at um, improving your cyclical experience, improve your lifestyle. Yeah, huge. um Just going to drop that seed there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that was a bit of a mic drop moment. I was like, wait, okay, she's finished talking. Wow, all right, that's big. Yep.
0: <laughs> what do I say now? God, I got, I got another question. I was so just what I mean still <laughs> by that, is that yeah, yeah. Well, taking it in, like mm. pauses are okay. We don't have to fill all the gaps. Yeah. <laughs> but what I what I mean by lifestyle is how you live your life, what you eat. So I always say what you put in and on your body. Mm. Is the most important thing. Start there. That's my hula hoop analogy. Start there. Then look at where you spend your time. Then look at how you spend your time. Then look at who you spend your time with. So your lifestyle is a direct impact on how you feel. Everything or every imbalance in health is because or starts because of a lifestyle imbalance. Mm. And is and it starts from your lifestyle. Everything from cancer to um endometriosis to um cyclical acne chronic acne to eczema to leaky gut Mm. to everything and so lifestyle and lifestyle isn't just food and how you move your body it's stress it's your emotional state it's your ability to connect with the world it's your ability to you know cleanse and move and eat and nurture Mm. and shit like are you even shitting like poo is so important I can't even just like it's one of the topics I talk a lot about on the podcast like if you don't shit you die literally yeah. so shit is important um and too much shit is not that good not enough shit is not good you just want to find that Goldilocks happy medium like good poo is good for you So I didn't mean that to rhyme by the way but all of those things impact like they're your lifestyle factors so you want to really explore okay where can I you know improve my lifestyle and this is where if you're looking at doing that to support your cycle is work with a cyclical coach reach out to me and be like oh my god I loved what you said how can I do this for myself just working with someone for three to six months can dramatically change your life
1: Mm, yeah absolutely yeah, It it yeah. is important because it's not like you said it's so holistic it's not just one or two things it's like very much a lifestyle thing it's quite um you know and and it might feel a bit overwhelming so you know before we wrap up the episode i'll definitely ask for some sort of starting practical little tips of you know like you were just saying start with the what you put in and what you put on your body you know um and i would yeah. just say maybe a couple of little self-care um practices that we can we can chat about but yeah before we kind of get into the nitty-gritty of how to actually go about this um i'd love to slot in the segment get pregnant and die
0: don't have sex because you will get pregnant and And
1: don't have sex in missionary position Don't don't have sex standing up just
0: don't do it promise
1: And basically yeah I'd love to hear a story maybe from your own experience or someone you know that wouldn't mind you sharing if you, if you know you've got a horror story um, around you know how your sex education failed you or what you really needed to learn about and I'm assuming it's going to be menstrual related but it can be anything
0: um, I love this such a good question. <laughs> Um, it's so nice, like hosting our own podcast and always being the person to ask the, ask the interesting questions. I love <laughs> being asked interesting questions. Um, okay. Get pregnant or die. Interesting. So I really feel that today we have, I don't want to say robbed, but I really feel that we've been, you know, we haven't been given the, the full opportunity to understand just our bodies. And Mm. when it comes to sex education, something that I really feel really fucking pissed off about is Mm. that sex ed in schools is really, and I teach menstrual education in schools. So sex ed is not menstrual ed. It's completely different. And it's really just about don't get STDs and Mm. don't get pregnant. That's Mm. what it is. It's not about like, cultivating a healthy relationship sexually with your body. It's not about improving your sexual experiences with others whilst they're awkward and really you know, learning how to read, is this person right to engage with? Is this person not right to engage with? Like there's so much around that that's just fucked up. And I think for me, you know, I really didn't discover my body. I would say sexually I felt quite disconnected until my late 20s you know, even like five years ago. Yeah. And I feel that my work and my line of work has definitely helped, you know, reconnect and amplify that experience for myself. But there was just when I was a kid at school, there was just nothing. And I think that if we think of like, you get pregnant or die, is that with sex it really needs to be something that's as openly talked about as menstruation Mm. and i think that the more we normalize it it's like the pink elephant in the room it's always (laughs) quite funny because it's like someone asked yesterday in i I was teaching the q a for cyclical school after we've i just taught the first semester which is on the menstrual cycle and one of the questions was how can we help stop period stigma from men and this particular student lives in the Caribbean. So she's, you know, that it's very patriarchal there. Mm. And, you know, the men really lead the communities. And so I just said to her, like, it's quite abrupt, but I'm like, well, when someone says to you, um, well, oh, my God, you're, you're so moody, you must be about to bleed or, you know, just hurry up and get shit done even though you're menstruating, like, you can do it. I always like, well, you do realise that you exist because of the period. Mm. because everybody on the planet exists because of a period because if your birth mother, regardless of if it was your actual mother or a surrogate, was able to grow you and produce an entire fucking organ to keep you alive while she carried you inside her belly, she was able to do that because of her menstrual cycle. So if you're like, you've got something against the cycle itself, then like do you even have you know, the right to be here on the planet, right? Pretty much. It's a big call, but I'm just going to say that. We exist because of cycles, but then secondly, we exist because of sex. Now, I know that it's possible to fall pregnant and conceive without, you know, sex these days, Mm. thanks to science, but, you know, we exist because of sex. And it's the two big elephants that aren't talked about in the room, and this is why they're the three topics I talk about in my podcast, poo, periods, and sex, because... Mm everybody shits. Ain't no one to like, Hey, how you doing? How was your shit this morning? People don't (laughs) ask that question. They just ask, how you doing? Um, You know, people don't talk about the sex life. And like, even me, when I talk to my best friend who's recently had a baby and I say, you know, Hey, how's it going with her partner? um, You know, how's your sex? Like you guys, you know, back having sex, like how's it feeling for you after you've had like a, a natural birth, blah, blah, blah. You know, we openly talk about that stuff because it's an important part of our lives. But most people would be like, oh my God, do you reckon they have sex? I'm like, how did that happen? <laughs> you know, when someone's mm-hmm. pregnant. Yeah. Um, and it's because it's untalked about. And mm-hmm. but it happens. But it's like, oh no, no, we only talk about it amongst the people who we're actually having sex with. But I think mm-hmm. that, you know, without being completely shadow banned from the entire world, I think it is important to open up conversations around this. So to answer your question, mm-hmm. I think that. Cycles, menstrual cycles, periods, and sex all could be openly talked about over the table. And the more you introduce this in your own lifestyle and your own family environment or your own community, the more we'll be able to remove stigma and taboo and sex ed at school sucks.
1: Yeah. <laughs> did that answer the question?
0: Boo. I just go on a big tangent.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, no, love it. Love it. You heard it here first, folks. Sex ed in school sucks. <laughs> dudes that don't get around the cycle don't don't deserve to exist (laughs) no i'm paraphrasing (laughs)
0: there's just there's just just a lot of improvement that could happen with the with the menstrual like sorry with sex at school that's what i'm saying it it just sucks it's it's needed but it also needs an update
1: yeah big time big time yeah And, and i mean like the way that even if things are getting talked about the way that they're being talked about really needs to improve as well um Totally agree with all of that. Love how passionate you are. (laughs) Um, Thanks. Yeah. So I'm wondering how long it kind of took you to go from like understanding and appreciating all of this stuff conceptually and then actually like living and breathing it. Because I find like I feel like for me, like I really, I nerd out on this stuff. I read so many books about it. I study it as part of my work and just something that I'm passionate about and because I'm really into personal development and trying to like tweak my lifestyle and how I go about things to optimise, you know, how I feel. Um but I I feel like I'm still very much a work in progress when it comes to this stuff and, you know, I'll still accidentally push myself too hard during a bleed and then I'll pay for it and berate myself for knowing better but still fucking up. And then, you know, I feel like it's this gradual process <laughs> of getting to know your limits and your needs and your boundaries and then once you get to know them, like getting better at actually um, implementing things and like putting things in place, to make sure you're protecting yourself and you're doing the right things and the right amount of self-care and this and that. Um, and it really takes like a lot of practice to like dial that in fully. And your kind Mm -hmm. of whole thing is like, you know, let's unlock the superpower of your menstrual cycle. But like, I feel like, you know, it's a long, it's been, it's a long road for me anyway. Um, I'm not at superpower level. I'm at like, really feeling a lot of respect and reverence and like finding it very helpful and valuable to be in tune and, you know, but I'm, I'm definitely not feeling like it's superpower yet. So like, talk to me a bit about that. Like, how do we unlock our superpower? How long did it take you? How do you know when you like, are you just like feeling like a fucking superhuman once you get to that
0: point or? (laughs) I love this question. This is like, just give me the Wonder Womanness. Just, just pass <laughs> it to me. Can I put the outfit on? Um, so this is such a beautiful question, and I'm just—it's the answer is actually quite simple, and it's—it's it's interesting because it's a bit of a redirection. Is I feel a lot of people have the wrong focus. Mm. Um, cyclical living is there's no destination and there's no endpoint. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no. <laughs> <laughs> so we we kind often think okay when i get to this level i'll be good when i get mm. to there i'll be good it's so if i look at me and my yoga practice i've been a consistent practice you know practitioner for 11 years now so you know five to six times a week every week i practice yoga and you know i used to think this is the ill yogic thought like oh if i could just balance a handstand when I get there I'm, I fucking made it I'm like a good yoga person if I can do a handstand and I was like <laughs> well, if I can just do a forearm balance so I was like yeah I get there and sometimes because I can't do this unassisted yet but if I if I can do a forearm stand scorpion which is where you drop your feet towards your head <laughs> and you're in a bend, and then you drop over into back bend I'm like if I get there I'm a fucking yogi but the thing is I even catch my mind being like, oh, Gemma, you're so close to being a yogi. I was like, shut up, ego, Gemma. Just shut up up there mm-hmm. <laughs> because there is no there is no end point. And so what we're always looking for is, like, okay, I'm going to start my business like this and then I'm going to make this much money. That's masculine. That's start and finish. We don't have that in our menstrual cycle. The masculine approach with food and dieting is, okay, I'm here. This is my, my, my starting point. This is my starting weight. This is my goal weight. I'm going to get there once I get there. I've I've achieved it. I've made it. It's all masculine, and your your whole cyclical nature is about adapting yourself as a feminine. Yeah, that isn't like the feminine who's like getting her nails done and having extra ear piercings and wearing flowy, you know, dresses and getting her hair at the salon done, getting a face. That's not the feminine I'm talking about. The feminine is someone who can like. Be fierce and surrender, and allow and open and raw and real. That's the divine feminine. And when we look at the divine feminine, is we really need to understand that cyclical living is allowing yourself to be a feminine where there is no endpoint. So it's the same thing in like sex coaching, where you might be like, "Well, orgasm isn't the destination." Mm-hmm. Exactly, because sex isn't about oh, had orgasm, finished. See ya, good, good catch up. It's not about that. It's about being in the process and connecting. Like, this, anyway, that's not my jam. That's your jam. Well, I <laughs> like it too, but it's yeah. your it's your area of <laughs> it's an overlap. But I area. use that as an example. Yeah, I, I use it as an um, an example because it's there is no destination, and that's because you're in the moment, which is very very feminine. So
1: mm. when
0: we're thinking about the menstrual cycle, how long did it take me? I actually don't like telling people because then it gives them an idea of like, oh, well, that's okay. Mm. I need to at least give myself this long. Now, I will tell you, of course, but I'm just <laughs> like preferencing it with like do not give yourself a time frame because you're putting too much pressure on yourself and then you're actually creating more imbalance. It's more stressful. So just release all the fucking pressure mm-hmm. and just be like every day I'm working on balance, every day I'm working on balance, every day I'm working on balance. So for me personally, I would say, and I actually have a theory on this that I teach in the Wellroom Academy, which is about the three-year theory. And it, you, you need to apply a university degree kind of to your health. You know, you need to give yourself time because it's not a race. It's about application and learning and trial and error. And like you were saying, some days you're like, oh, my God, I was really on this. And other days you're like, fuck, I slipped that up.
1: Mm. And
0: that's because your life around you is not static. So if we lived in the Truman Show and everything was the same every day, then mastering your cyclical nature would be like quite easily. You'd probably pick it up in three to six cycles. But no one predicted the pandemic. Now that's controversial, but I'll leave that comment there.
1: <laughs>
0: but, you know, no one, no, no one was like, oh, okay, so when a massive pandemic hits, here's how to manage your menstrual cycle. We couldn't, there's no way that we could have controlled our body's reactiveness to that. So we can't control, you know, when the rent goes up 90 bucks a week and we can't control when there's no food in the shops to buy. We can't control when you have an, a huge argument with your partner and you're on the verge of ending the relationship and then you go to therapy. Like you can't, that's all external. You can't control. The only thing that you can fully control is your response to those things And that's where cyclical nature takes time for different people. And the length of time is different based on your nature and how you respond to it versus react. Mm,
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because I feel like, you know, it's not linear and I do need to remind myself to take the pressure off sometimes because I'll be like, oh, my God, I've just gone through like you know, this follicular phase where I was feeling like a sack of scrotums, like a sack of sacks, which is pretty fucking, that's pretty bad. (laughs) That's like my low. Um, Pretty sacky. Yeah, it's pretty sacky. And, And I'm like, that sucks. Like I just totally got ripped off. I didn't get my sweet spring phase. Like summer was like a day and now I'm like plummeting back to, and I'm like, what the fuck? And then I'm thinking, oh, hang on. Well, there's a whole lot of circumstances going on in my life right now that mean that my Mm -hmm. cycle isn't going to be this clean cut, predictable you know, I'm not going to get this uplifting, energized, you know, positive serotonin filled spring and summer because shit's going down and life happens. And maybe for a few cycles, I'm not going to be on top of it because it's just not possible and I'm doing the best I can and that's okay. And yeah, I think it's just important to like take that pressure off because it is, I mean, like I said, it's not linear. The cyclic living thing is cyclic in itself and you're going to just keep going around and around and around and bleeding on it month after month.
0: Yeah. So, so, yeah, I think that's you important. Need, you to need know. to understand. Yeah, you, everyone needs to understand that whatever's going on in the outside world, whether it's in your home, outside, and I'm talking about outside of your body, is going to impact inside your body. Yeah. So to give you an example of like how things change, so I'm on day 28 of my cycle on day one of this current cycle that I'm in, that was day two of me having the coronavirus, Ooh. And I was sick for 13 days straight. Like I was, mm. I was actually very, very sick. And That therefore changes my cycle. It changes Mm. my ability, my body's ability to produce hormones. It changes like everything changes. Mm. So my track using natural fertility to track my site, my ovulation, my ovulation was like all out of whack. And I actually found it more challenging to pinpoint my ovulation Mm. because I wasn't, you know, my site like my fertile mucus was just all over the fucking shop, literally. (laughs) And I was like, oh, this is interesting. And, you know, it was just every day it was changing. It was like dry, then slippery, then dry again, and then wet, and then I was moist, and then I was dry again. I was like, what is going on? This never happens in my cycle. But I'm very aware also that, okay, what's going on in my lifestyle? Oh, Jimmy, you've been sick. Like you had a really bad fever for like five days, and then you lost your voice for two days. Mm. So just give yourself a break. You know, I also lost weight when I was sick. That puts pressure on your body. I, mm. you know, was eating, but I wasn't very hungry. And so all of that changes my body's response. Mm. So now I'm on day 28 and I'm like, oh, I'm really interested to see what happens with this next bleed because what's the color tone of the blood going to be like? What's the texture going to be like? How long am I going to bleed for? You know, and I thought I was going to start bleeding yesterday based on how I was feeling. And then I thought I was going to start bleeding today. based on how I was feeling about nuts, cervix is still a little bit too high for menstruation today. (laughs) So I'm just, I'm the observer of my body. And this is the purpose of me sharing this story with you is that you just need to become your own body, your body's own best observer. And that's my number one goal for every one-on-one client that I work with is to take them from being non-observant to being the number one observer of their health, like mm. even out with even outdoing me because yeah. only no one knows you better than you.
1: Yeah, beautiful. So observable. how
0: can you be your number one observer? Mm. And so that's the thing is like it's everyone's journey to cyclical living and living in that way and being fully connected. It's just being you and, and honouring your journey.
1: Mm, yeah. The observation thing is so important because I'm not naturally super observant. I kind of just get caught up in life and I'm like going from one thing to the next and I don't really remember what I ate yesterday or what my, you know, mucus was like. So the tracking and having like a hard copy on the fridge where I'm like handwriting stuff in and I'm putting my temperatures in and putting, you know, all of these little signs it has been so helpful for me to just be more mindful and get observant and then I think like yeah just making sure we're observant but we're not like judging or trying too hard to create a certain experience we're just like hey look like my follicular and ovulation phase this month were fucking challenging they weren't typical of my usual kind of uplifted state when I'm at that at that phase And that's okay. Like I'm observing that, I'm tracking and recording it and hopefully it's different next month, but it's okay if it's not because like, yeah, you know, circumstances are going to change everything Um, and observing is just going to help you. I mean, you barely even have to try. You don't need to change much. You just observe and naturally you'll start to just have urges to eat a certain thing or get more sleep or do more self-care just because you are so tapped in to like your state and your experience that yeah you kind of gravitate towards things that are like better for you and are going to be more in alignment anyway just cuz of that observation yeah. um so what if you have an irregular like what about someone who has a really irregular cycle
0: well this is a great question if you have an irregular cycle and it's been like that for longer than 3 cycles um cuz irregular cycles some people don't know what they are like you might be going from like 26 days in length and then going to 32 and then back to 27 and then going to 35 and then back to 26. And so it's very regular. I always say that one, just work with someone and figure out what's going on with your body. Like it fast tracks the whole process, Mm. but you have to be willing to invest in yourself. And some that does mean financially often. Um, and that's where I would say work with a natural fertility educator. Um, like there's lots of different labels for that, you know, mm. fertility awareness, fertility educator, natural contraception, whatever it is to help if you have an irregular cycle and work with a cycle coach. You know, I do both of those things, mm. um, but it helps you learn what is going on in your cycle so we can bring back some more of the rhythm because think about it like this if the ocean, which lives on a cyclical nature, high tide, low tide, even super tide, sometimes, sometimes we have king tides, Mm. Um, you know, if all of a sudden that site, like the whole, the whole cycle of the high tide, low tide and the rhythm of water was out of whack, people would be like, what the fuck is going on? Like
1: Mm. they'd
0: be like, something is going on here. We need to look into that. And we don't do that today with our cycle. However, right back to the even the Egyptian era, if you were seen to not menstruate, you were seen to be ill. So if you mm. have a menstrual cycle that's irregular right now, is, you know, reach out for some help, reach out to learn about your body, reach out to connect with your body, reach out to know what's going on. And as mm. I could share hundreds of stories about this, you know, whether even if you have um, an anovulatory cycle where you don't ovulate and you've got like you haven't bled for 90 days, it is possible to bring your cycle back. Mm, But work with the fast track that, you know. Mm -hmm. I recently worked with a client um, who's American but lives in New Zealand and she hadn't had a bleed in like three years. And even just within three months of working with her, she was able to naturally bring her menstruation back because we looked at all of her lifestyle factors that that were impacting her body. We looked at all of the things she could do to actually support a healthy menstrual cycle and that all brought her body back into balance naturally. Mm. So it is it is possible, but you just have to be willing to reach out and surrender, which is the art of the feminine, which is the first step of embracing a menstrual cycle and allow yourself to receive the help and, the, you know, the support that you don't even just need, you desire.
1: Mm. Yeah, big time. Love that. I think you need to write a book, girl. I mean, there are a lot of great books about this sort of thing though as well. Like, you know, if at the moment it's not financially viable for you to get some help from a professional and your cycle's all over the shop, like there's, you know, The Fifth Vital Sign is an incredible book, like period repair manual. There are a lot of incredibly comprehensive and detailed resources that give you really practical ways to start troubleshooting your cycle. So, and yeah, Yeah, it's really worthwhile. So, but then, so I also have a question like, what about if you know you want to like harness the the superpower of your cycle but you're on hormonal birth control and like therefore don't have a true cycle or if you're in perimenopause or menopause like do you think there's still benefit to living according to some sort of cycle with ebbs and flows of energy input and
0: output a hundred percent there is so if you are not menstruating for any reason and you aren't on a form of hormonal contraception that gives you some kind of, in inverted brackets, a bleed, I would encourage you to all live cyclically. And you can do that by using your menstrual cycle tracker and connect with the moon. I teach how to do this in my free lab cycle tracker guide. It comes with some videos and how to actually use it and apply it to the moon moon phases and the moon cycle for those Mm. who don't bleed. But for everyone that I've worked through or worked with who's been in premenopause um, and menopause, along with those who have not had a bleed for whatever period of time, using and adapting a cyclical nature is like helping remind your body of the way that it deserves and actually needs to naturally live. And those women who have even been from menopause to living on a cyclical nature actually helps them transition. Um, mm. and a lot of the women that I've worked with who are outside of the menopausal, now they're postmenopausal, they still like to live in a cyclical nature. Mm. Um, because that's how they've lived for 50 years or mm. really 40 years because until they've been straight. But yeah, so <laughs> it is really, it is really possible. Plus there is, mm. you can continue to deepen that practice. There's a lot of shamanic room wisdom, um, around that, um, archetype of the, um, the postmenopausal woman and mm. using the moon.
1: Yeah, beautiful. I love that. Um, and it's like because I just I can't imagine not having that season where I've got an excuse to just chill out basically. Like I can't wait till I bleed half the time because I'm just like, oh, God, I need a break. I need that winter. I need to have the downtime because it's so unsustainable to just be, you know, go, go, go all the time. And I love the kind of ebb and flow that my cycle allows me to ride. And then also just, I have it as an excuse when I need to slow down and I don't have to kind of feel bad about it. I'm just like, no, well, this is, this is literally healthier. It is healthier and more productive right now for me to not do all of those things. Um, which is yeah. just nice to take. Sometimes that I have off. to
0: be like, Yeah, it is. Sometimes I have to be like, walk away from the computer, Gemma. You're getting Mm -hmm. nowhere.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So before my final questions, because I know we've gone a fair bit over time, but, you know, we were prepared for that. It's a big topic. Um, I want to chuck in the segment TMI. We love it. TMI, we
0: build it to TMI.
1: So, do you have a story for us, Gemma, where I guess usually it would be considered too much information for? you know, public consumption or general conversation. It's kind of like what you were talking about before with all of these topics, just if only it was a dinner table conversation, if only, you know, it was like my friends who totally talk about poo and we call that golden goose, like Goldilocks zone of poo single loaf, no wipe. Um <laughs> just for a little glimpse into my I social. I love segment. I love that. <laughs> totally. Um but yeah, I mean this segment is all about that. This whole podcast is all about that. It's about you know, dismantling the layers of taboo and stigma and shame that surround these topics by fucking talking about it openly on public air. <laughs> so do you have a story that, you know, you'd like to share, you feel comfortable sharing that is
0: usually probably some, some people's version of TMI? <laughs> Yeah, I think um, the first thing that comes to mind, just because it's related to these topics mm. uh, around too much information, like I've got so many stories from within my life that have like <laughs> too much information. <laughs> but um, you can kind of pick up who I am and my type of personality and how I like to spend time. But um, the, the, the biggest thing that is a lot that I guess was a bit controversial when um, and I have talked about it publicly, so this wouldn't be the first time, would be when I um, talked about my unplanned pregnancy and choice to terminate. Mm. And this was an experience that I went through about 16 months ago, so quite recently. And when it comes to that topic, it it, it impacts everybody quite differently. It can trigger people positively. It can trigger people negatively. And so that's why it kind of gets to that stage of it being a little bit too much information Mm. um, because when we look at, I guess the process of termination um, and abortion, whether it's medical termination or surgical termination, it's not a topic that people like to discuss. It's been extremely shamed and tabooed. And um, it's something that I personally never wanted to go through or never, never wanted to experience. And Mm. I was pretty much given it to me on a silver platter that didn't, that was fake silver (laughs) (laughs) for for the situation that I was in. But um, I think that, yeah, too much information, um, like way to kind of go around that would be, you know, living through an experience like that in the middle of a pandemic, having to go and have, sur- have a surgery, to terminate a pregnancy that was, you know, through an experience that shouldn't have happened, um, that um, was, I was very surprised by, um, was with someone that I was with in a committed relationship um, found out other things were going on broke up and then 2 days later found out i was pregnant mm. after breaking up with him on my birthday oh and my God. and um, yeah and then moving forward a week and a half later going through that process of like do i not do i i'm not sure what to do with this discovering that my brother announced his pregnancy at his wedding with our intimate family around, and no one else knew that I was pregnant, and so yeah, I think that um, you know when we look at these experiences, I think it's important to talk about them and bring them out as a topic of conversation because it is something that does happen, and the the percentage rates of termination and abortion are huge, and the biggest rate of women who actually have termination and abortion are those in loving families and how already have kids and they don't want to have any more kids. Mm.
1: Yes, yeah, so And
0: that alone is a topic where mm. you and I actually hear from a number of women who reach out to me on Instagram. And if this is one of you, thank you for reaching out. Um, I always leave a voice message to anybody that messages who's going through a similar situation because I want them to feel as much support, support from me as they can. But You know, women say, I've got three kids and we can't afford to have a fourth child and we have, we love our family dynamic and my partner and I are in a great spot, but I can't, we just can't have any more kids. And Mm. there's two ways we can look at that is that one, you know, they're going to have to go, if that's their choice, you know, they can terminate. We're very fortunate we live in a country where that is an option um, and it's not an illegal option, which is great. Um, But that then also comes back to the topic of, and I get asked this question, well, how did you fall pregnant as an, like unexpectedly, like how can we improve that process? Mm. And so that's when I would encourage, you know, learning better about how to pinpoint your ovulation more accurately. And mine was through narcissism. So that's another story, another very long in-depth story, but Mm. um, you know, it's, It's about learning how to pinpoint your your ovulation and being able to accurately identify when you're fertile and when you're not fertile, and all of that is empowering.
1: Mm, Totally. Yeah, and I would love to do. I mean, we spoke about it earlier, but I think we're going to do an episode in future that's specifically around termination, unplanned pregnancies, because yeah, it is so fucking taboo and stigmatized, and that sucks because it's just Mm -hmm. it's so valuable to be able to talk about this and help people going through it not feel so alone, not feel so ashamed, not feel so confronted by this decision that they have to make, and then this experience that they have to subsequently like go through which is not pleasant um so yeah i'm really glad you brought that up and i'm hoping that yeah we can do an episode on that that'll be really relatable and really um accessible and help resource people who are going through this in the future Mm. thank you Um, so before we wrap up I just want to chat about like the I suppose have you noticed with you and with clients as people you work with so many different people and obviously you would hear incredible success stories and and different um, benefits that they're experiencing through doing these sorts of practices around cycle awareness Um, have you noticed like a correlation between body confidence and body literacy, and then this being really empowering and helping grow kind of like self worth and self love um, around being in this sort of body?
0: Yeah, like massively. The more you understand your body, the more accepting of who you are and how you are and how you look, everything mm. is. So your body confidence goes through the roof, literally. Mm.
1: Yeah, yeah. So beautiful. Yeah. I've noticed that as well. There's, you know, you just have so much more compassion for yourself and your body. And I guess like a feeling of awe and respect, um, you know, for the processes that our bodies, yeah, do every cycle. So yeah. before we finish, like we've kind of covered I mean we've jumped around a lot and it is a big topic but is there any kind of really like practical tips or suggestions just to uh, send people away with if they wanted to get started with something like this Um, you know that they might be able to start implementing straight away and that might be quite you know bite-sized and accessible to kind of start them on their journey with cycle awareness and you know like maybe we could even just give a few examples of what we do personally like what that can look like in day-to-day life um yeah what what do you what do you want to sort of send people Mm -hmm. off
0: with i think the number one thing that i always recommend when it comes to (coughs) excuse me when it comes to all of this is you have to start with the foundation which is tracking your cycle Mm
1: -hmm. do you do that yeah yep
0: Mm. Sorry, I have to have a bit of a cough. No, that's okay. (laughs) Um, (coughs) Okay, let me go back. (laughs) The number one thing I would say is tracking your cycle. It's the foundation. If you don't do that, you're not going to even get any insights to your cycle or your body. So, everyone can track their cycle in some way. Even if you use an app, it's a great starting place, but then move towards a written tracker, is what I would recommend. Mm -hmm. So I'd say track your cycle. The next thing is, you know, learn about your cycle. Um, Ideally work with someone who's trained in cyclical stuff Um, as a menstrual cycle coach. I would say invest in that, learn about it because you will have that education for yourself, but you'll be able to teach your daughters if you have daughters or your friends' daughters or your nieces and the following generations to come. And plus that knowledge will serve you for the rest of your life.
1: Mm. So That's the second
0: thing I'd recommend. Yeah. To give you an example, and I can actually share this with everyone listening. Great place to start is I have a five-day mini course. It's called the Love Your Cycle Five-Day Mini Course on my website. It's twenty-nine dollars. It's a great foundational starting place. Comes with an ebook and an audio book, and then five videos over five days of classes. Use the code Cycle Love to get twenty percent off. So everyone who's listening, you can just use that code and get twenty percent off that. Um, but that's a great place to start. It doesn't have to be, you know, thousands of dollars (laughs) to get started, (laughs) but start there. And then the next thing is just take two little bits of knowledge and start implementing them. When you feel like you've got them down pat and add in two more little bits of knowledge. That's the way that I'd recommend doing that.
1: Mm, Yeah. Awesome. I love that you, um, I mean, I've got all those links written down in the code, so I'll put them in the show notes too, but I always, um, remember like in your episodes where you talk about this and it's like, it's basically the price of a vegan burger. Like it's it's so yeah. accessible, you know. Um, and like, yeah. As it's, cheaper you, than your, it's
0: cheaper than a vegan burger. Yeah. yeah.
1: Obviously, I uh, spent many, many the inner autumn vacuuming the house with your podcast in my ears. Um, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I love that. It's, yeah, it's really accessible nowadays with resources like that and people like you and the books that I mentioned earlier, podcasts like this. Um, and, you know, like just to put my little two cents in some of the things that I talk about with my clients, if they want to get started, just to give them Some like inspiration, um, you know. I think it's often really it's easiest for me to think of things um, that I do around that sort of inner autumn premenstrual phase and when I'm bleeding. But I'll just really ramp up the self care. So I do castor oil packs like leading up and I'll have lots of baths and I don't do as much work or socializing. So I actually like try to schedule, you know, my, my things around my cycle a little bit. Um and yeah just just things like that that are really small little tweaks um can help you just feel like oh my god look at me go I'm having a bath and reading a book and you know that's something really self-loving and self-caring that I'm doing for my cycle and then it becomes addictive you're just like oh my god this feels so good like I feel so healthy I feel so Mm self-loving um and it becomes like a really fun game like how can I live more in alignment with my cycle where am I at cycle what can I eat that's going to be the most nourishing for me right now or the what can I kind of plan in my diary that's going to be the most nourishing and um yeah I just I love it I fucking love it thank you so much um any any final words you want to leave people with or we we're having a wrap um
0: what do you think um I was just listening to you share all the things you love. Like I could be here for a whole hour talking about all the things <laughs> that I do. But, um, you know, just do what you feel called to do is what I would say to wrap up. And mm. just remember it's it's a complete rite of passage to know your cycle and embrace your cycle. And it's one of the most important lost arts. It is an mm. art to live cyclically. And mm. it, we've been doing this for generations and cyclical living is uh, remembering
1: mm. a reawakening.
0: It's not something that you've never done before. Every single person who, who takes either um, cyclical school and becomes a menstrual cycle coach through my training cor- program or training school or joins the Wellwood Academy, which might I just say when you talk about vegan burger, it is cheaper than buying a bottle of freaking water <laughs> a day. Like literally it's so cheap. Um, so it's like everyone is like, oh, my God, this just makes so much sense and everything just feels so in alignment with them. And that's because you're not learning this for the first time. Your, your cell makeup knows this stuff. Your soul knows this stuff. So it's it's a complete remembering and I think that one of the best things we can do for what I'm calling and marking is my mission of the menstrual revolution is that we need to revolutionise how we approach the menstrual cycle today and the more women and menstruators and supportive male people out there that help embrace this and support cyclical living, the more harmony I really believe we can have in the world because we have more harmony within. So. That's my little rant to stop on that. Oh,
1: my God. So many mic drop moments. Damn, girl. Love it. 100% agree with that. That was a really beautiful way to end this podcast and wrap up you know, the gist of what we've been talking about. So I hope people have found this really insightful and inspiring. Um, obviously you can get in touch with either Gemma and I to chat about this stuff. We can clearly wax lyrical for hours on end about it. Um, and just before I end, I want to remind you that I now have Lady Lounge merch and I've I've um chucked some masks on there now. I, I used to be repping the labia Lounge fanny packs. Now I've created some masks nice. um, since, you know, the state of things doesn't seem to be changing anytime soon. And in WA here, we actually haven't, I haven't seen a single mask since I moved here seven months ago, but we've just um, had to start wearing masks again. So I'm like, oh shit, maybe I should make some labia Lounge masks. <laughs> I need to make some fabric pads, but no um no print-on-demand drop shipping company seems to make fabric menstrual pads, unfortunately. But you know, maybe that's a business idea down the track. So, <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Gemma. It's been an absolute pleasure. You're welcome. And hopefully I'll speak to you soon on another Epi in the
0: future. Would love that. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Bye everyone. And that's it, darling hearts. And you'd be supporting my vision to educate, empower, demystify and destigmatize with this here podcast. Also, I'm always open to feedback, topic ideas that you'd love to hear covered or guest suggestions. So feel free to get in touch via my website at frayograph.com or say hey over on Insta. My handle is Freya underscore graph underscore YMT and I seriously hope you're following me on there because damn, we have fun. We have fun. Anyway, later labial legends. I'll see you next time.